0: What's up friends? Welcome back to the Dark Waters. I'm your host Josh. Uh, it's Tuesday. Hope everyone had a great weekend. I just came back from Arizona. My brother got married and had a great time. Uh, beautiful weather, beautiful scenery. Uh, Arizona, definitely one of my top places to go. So if you haven't been there, definitely go check it out. But uh, it's good to be back home in uh, upstate New York. The snow's gone. Uh, the water is open. Uh, took the kayak for the first spin today. Caught a few fish, nothing, nothing great. Uh, mostly just trying out the uh, boat. Uh used to drop shot a little bit, caught a few in there, and then uh saw a bunch of big ones up shallow, but I couldn't figure out what they wanted. Uh, I don't they may not have wanted anything. I don't know, but I uh, couldn't get them in the boat. But uh, it was good to be on the water, good to catch a few, a few fish and uh gonna go out tomorrow and uh see how things go. But uh what it's still cold. I think it was like 37 degrees. Uh and found a few spots it was like 40 degrees. So it's gonna get it's only gonna get better. So uh but still it's just great to be back in the water. So uh hope everyone else had a good weekend. I know there's a few tournaments going on. Did not follow them so can't tell you who the winners were or anything like that. So, uh, you know, yeah I mean, that's what you can expect from the dark waters But uh, anyway guys, uh, do me a favor. Uh, go check out, uh sticks fishing, uh fi- badass fishing rods, uh All you need in six rods which you- cover all lures and techniques. I mean, I, I, I mean I'm using the day uh, I took uh Probably eight rods Um, you know, I had a few different, you know, a few of the same rods, but you know, with a different, um reels and lines on them and stuff like that but uh yeah man it was just it was it was easy it was simple didn't have too much to think about they're numbered so even an idiot like me can figure out what it's for but uh yeah man love 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 the company they are a paid sponsor uh they even gave me a hat so uh, make sure you check them out uh use discount code Dark Waters, to get yourself a discount on some rods um excellent lures like user your plastics today uh And got got tons of stuff I can say about them, but it's just simple. They got they got great plastics, great colors. Uh, I love using them. Um, Use their finesse, one of their finesse things today for the uh, the drop shot. Uh, Awesome awesome company. So uh, use capital D capital W 15 uh, discount on them, Uh, and obviously Rogue Fishing Company didn't get to test it out today, but if I did, I would have passed. Because I got, I got, you know, my phone is safe. So I didn't lose my phone because I had the proper equipment. What You know what, guys? I'm being stupid. So go check them out. Um, discount code cool Dark Waters. And I guess I have a discount on that. But don't lose your shit this year, especially in this cold waters. So, uh, but we'll jump right into the thing. Uh, Sean Accord. Uh, been wanting to talk to him for a while. Been following his YouTube channel for a bit. He's uh, a cool guy. Uh, just seems like he knows a little bit or, or you know, and he, he, he loves, he loves, Putting content out there, so I uh, figured I'd have him on. I was supposed to talk to someone else last night, but they kind of had a bail on me uh, because they had city reception, and I'm, I'd rather someone bail on me than have a, a shitty conversation. So uh, I appreciate that. But Sean and Corey, it was, it was awesome talking to him, getting to know him. Uh, we talked a lot a bit about uh, you know, just obviously what he does. We talked a little bit about uh, balancing, you know, balancing life with a family, tournament fishing, making content, all the things that we do. And uh, it was a good conversation, good, honest conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, sorry for the rant, guys uh been, been on vacation so uh, get over it but uh, anyways back to business as normal uh we'll get another episode out next week uh busy this week but uh dude i'm fishing so that's all that matters make sure you guys are tagging me in pictures sending me a message let me know what's going on love to hear from you guys uh and i don't care there's be fishing if you want to chug a beer that's cool too so uh anyways guys that's it for me ciao uh, what's up Sean? Thank you for uh coming on the show. I know it's kind of last minute. Uh I had a uh, another guest kind of he got bad signal. Didn't want to waste my time, so I had to go out there and find someone. I'm glad you uh, you volunteered.
1: Hey, no problem. I uh, you had actually asked me a little bit ago, and sorry about that. I was just it, it's been really crazy lately.
0: Well, good. Like, you. if, well, you're you're here now. That's all that matters. Uh, got to introduce. Got to do me a favor, though. It's your first time on the show, man. You got to kind of introduce yourself. Just kind of who you are. Yeah, you know, some things you've done in the past. What's going on in your life right now, and not all the fishing stuff because that's why you're here. We know we know that's what you do. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, my name's Sean Accord. Um, I'm uh, obviously a bass fisherman. We know that much. Um, prior, I'm prior military, just like you. So thank you for your service. Thank you. Um, I did do a little background check on you just a little bit. Um, I'm a father of three. I've got a five-year-old, a two-year-old, and a six-month-old, and so that keeps me pretty busy. Um, On top of uh, working a full-time job for the state of Oklahoma, I um, also do YouTube and uh, a little bit of Instagram. Although Instagram is not really like my primary platform, um, I try to put most of my content onto uh, YouTube. Is kind of where I try to focus that at, but I do have some other um, profiles and um, social media stuff going on uh prior to that i did have a little bit of a social media presence with twitch back in the day as far as like streaming and things went like that Um, i did a lot of um like charity stuff when i did that back in streaming i've never really been into content creation for uh, making money as much as i have for like raising awareness to stuff or being able to give back to other people um, I mean, you can even look at my YouTube now. I don't monetize anything. I've never made any money off of it, and any donations or anything I've ever received. I've always donated those somewhere else. So, um, yeah, other than that, that's that's pretty much me in a, in a nutshell.
0: Well, cool. Give me one second. The little man just rushed me. That's it. I got to like a night to him. Okay, yeah. Right. Love you, buddy. Say bye. <laughs> He's got to go. He's too cute. <laughs> All right. cool man. Let's talk about the YouTube, for instance. Um, how did you actually get into it? I know you say you don't really do anything for profit, but you do put a lot of time into it. Um, and they're, they're good videos, and they, uh, they you know they kind of they tell your story of what you what you got going on that day, as well as there's some uh, you know really good things you can learn from them as well. But you know, how did you, know, how, you get into it? You know, had to become an addiction, you know, those, those kind of questions.
1: Um, so I think for me, uh, primarily, obviously, I started YouTube a while back when I did Twitch. So I actually have removed all those videos now i've made them private just because that's not um it's not what i do anymore i used to game a little bit when i got out of the military and so that's kind of what i would do but now um <laughs> you know okay. i get it i get it i got three kids so i'm with you um so for me it became more or less like an outlet to share with people kind of connect with people yeah. um i'm really into like editing and filmmaking uh just i'm all self-taught and i'm always kind of just had an interest in doing those things i wouldn't say i'm like the best editor or the best uh videographer or anything like that but i do like to think that i've learned you know some over the years in in doing those things but my primary focus with doing that really was if it ever took off was be able to be like to give back to the to the community um it's always been my goal you can ask people that have known me since i've done it it's never been about making money um I know that that's an avenue for a lot of people to make money and that's awesome. I'm glad that a lot of people can make that their job and be successful. But if I could ever get big enough where I could just give back to the community through like giveaways or um, information or whatever that may be, um, that's really my focus and goal.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, you know, YouTube is very new to me. I have no idea what I'm doing on YouTube. I've been you know, doing a lot with Instagram, but you know, one of the things that like, it's, I don't know how people get into these things for monetary value. Cause like I said, there's, I've talked to some people before, like there isn't like a real blueprint to it um, at all. It's just, you know, I don't, I don't know how they, I don't know how they do it, but you know, one thing that I saw that I, I like, it was not really anything more than just like uh, the relationships you create and like kind of the, the ability to kind of share your story or to share like your journey as you're going through this thing, whether it be fishing or basket weaving or, you know, whatever it is that you're into. But it's like, to me, that's been kind of like the big thing. It's like, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of us in this community that are doing the same thing. And, you know, if I can make a video or, you know, a special type of episode that's, whether it's relatable or not, but just because kind of, hey, this is where I'm at. This is what's going on in my life. You know, this is what it's for. It's like it's for everyone to kind of broadcast themselves and share you know, what, what's important to them.
1: Yeah. And, you know, everybody's got a different reason for doing it. And like I said, I'm, I'm not here to knock anybody if that's their avenue and they've become successful and make that Um you know, a business or career, that's awesome. I mean, social media is a big thing. Uh, being able to be a content creator is a very difficult thing to do. So if you can be successful at doing that, you know, I mean, I commend them for that and their work, ethic because it's not easy, especially as somebody who creates videos and edits videos and trying to find time to do those things and manage a home life and work and do that kind of stuff can be very, uh, very difficult. So those that can find time to do those types of things or happen to be in that place, um, in their life where they can, where they have that time to do that kind of stuff, I mean, that's great, you know. Yeah. Well, has
0: it been easy for you, like, uh, like kind of separating, like, you're, you're like me, like the fish tournaments, but, you know, creating content and making videos, uh, videotaping yourself, you know, whatever it is, like, that's not, that's like a, uh, it is, it's a job in itself. It's, uh, you know, you're trying, try, trying to be an angler, but then also trying to do the whole content thing, kind of like, I have a hard time kind of bouncing that thing because I find myself playing with a camera, you know, more than I should be playing with a camera when I should be up there just getting after it. Uh, especially during tournaments, you know, like I got to the point now I was like well I, I might not take a camera out on a tournament with me because I don't really need to be worrying about where the sun is or well, I mean I do but not for that reason and uh, you know' it, it, things like that have you had like any uh, like obstacles or things that you just kind of like had to like separate from you know what you do for YouTube and like you know what you do like just whatever else kind of fishing you do
1: Yeah, so I I primarily bass fish. That's pretty much all I do. So just a little bit of a backstory is I didn't grow up bass fishing. Um, I grew up being an outdoorsman. My dad took me fishing and hunting and doing those things as a kid. But where I live, I grew up in Northwest Oklahoma, which um, at the time didn't have any black bass species that lake now does. But when I was growing up, it didn't. So the big things there were like walleye, um, hybrid sand bass. But I spent a lot of time uh, fishing uh, for catfish because I had a river that ran behind my house. It was maybe like. I don't know, two or three blocks away that I'd go down to. I'd bow fish it in the summer. I'd fish, you know, forward catfish primarily was what, what I did. Um, and then I got out of touch with fishing for a really long time when I went off to the military and came back. Um, I picked it up. I'd moved to a different side of the state with my um, girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now. Um, and, you know, I, I started watching YouTube videos on how to really catch bass. Because, I mean, I, I had caught some bass, maybe like pond fishing stuff, but I've never, I never knew how to target them. I never – um, you know, before I started bass fishing, I'd maybe caught like two or three bass my entire life as far as black bass go. Um, and so it was really a learning experience for me. I did a lot of bank fishing, like the first year of it. And about a, about a year of doing that, um, I got into the kayak side of stuff. And so I've just been an avid bass fisherman, whether it's a largemouth or smallmouth. Um, I actually prefer to target smallmouth, but where I live in Oklahoma, we don't really have a, a ton of smallmouth fisheries here. Um, so I usually try to travel to, like, Maine in the summer. I have a buddy who lives in Maine, and uh, there's some pretty good smallmouth fishing up there, and it's not too difficult to right. learn how to do it, especially if you fish down here, like, in the s- southern states. Like, we're used to, like, stained and muddy water here. You know, you go to states like Arkansas or Maine and stuff, they've got that crystal clear water. So it kind of gives me a a change of, of pace and a change of um, scenery so that I can, you know, learn more than, more than just – stained and dirty water um but back to your question sorry um about that is filming yes uh, so for me it was difficult at first i've been doing it for a couple years now i took i took a long break off of like youtube and filming and fishing so i've only been fishing for about four and a half years even though i started like five years ago because i took like a year and a half break off of like filming and fishing i just was busy i was working two jobs i had kids i had stuff that just you know life just took over um, but yeah, so it is. So um, I don't worry so much about like the lighting and things like that. It's more or less just knowing when to kind of turn your camera on and off to kind of preserve that. So you're not have to change like batteries or you're changing out SD cards. Um, for me, I've got, you know, two GoPro Hero 5s that I use. I keep one on the back of the kayak now and I just plug it into a power bank and I, I put like a 128 gig card. That's good for like eight hours. So I just let that one run the entire time. And then the chesty i also run off a power bank but that one i will um keep on for a while if i'm not catching anything i'll turn it off might turn it back on a little bit when i like in a new area that i think that the fish could be and i try to turn it off you know after i'm done like measuring or after each fish so that i have those cuts already when it comes to editing so it's already there in those segments so i don't have to watch eight hours of continuous video which gopro i think cuts it down to like 20 minute segments anyways Right, but if you can cut them into smaller ones, it usually is a little bit more helpful as far as editing because I can know, like, hey, this segment I can just delete because it's just me paddling or pedaling or, or whatever at that time.
0: Okay, yeah, I haven't figured like uh, I, I do mine. I just very like uh, I'll record, and if I start moving somewhere, I'll go back through that. And I record, and I, like, unless I caught kind a of fish, I didn't tag it or whatever, I'll delete everything because I can't figure out how to. Uh, make that workload easier for me you know the whole editing process is a uh, the pain in the ass uh, you know when I do the, I come to the podcast and I'm you know obviously I'm like you I got kids and so to sit around at a computer and like I haven't found it easier or figured out a, uh, you know, a way to make it easier where I you know going through all the stuff and things
1: like that yeah and I that's just one thing that I do like I said, everybody's got their own workflow and what works for them I just didn't enjoy looking through hours and hours of video, like trying to get to points and maybe missing fish because I didn't make a cut there. So yeah. I found when I break it down to the smaller files. I can actually watch those and then delete out the ones that don't have any content that I want to use. And then I can just drag the ones that I keep from that file into my workflow, which I use, I use a Mac. So I edit with uh, final cut pro, but I edited with, um, iMovie forever which is a free program so you don't you don't really need a paid software that's just what i use now just because i like to try to push myself and i feel like there's a little bit more advanced stuff that you can do with final cut that you can't with like the free
0: software well, cool man well, let's let's get into some things you know it's that's it's a new the season's kind of started for a lot of people i know a few people the seasons started like a few months ago but uh you know i live in the northeast you live in oklahoma i'm not exactly sure when your first tournament was and i imagine it wasn't that long ago but uh you know, getting getting it back into things, you know, I think is you know, always kind of a difficult thing for a lot of people, like especially me. Like, like like my, like I went out to the, I went to the lake today just to look because I'm gonna take my boat out for the first time tomorrow, and I just happened to ask the guy like, you know, how cold is the water right now? He's well, it's 37 degrees. I'm like, ah, oh, I gotta get I gotta get back into that, you know. It's so it's like it's yeah. like I know like I'm already dreading it, but I'm feeling better than I did last year about it because I'm like, all right, you're gonna take this rod, that rod, okay, and we're probably gonna go drop shotting. We're probably gonna go you know, have the you know. Drag a jig. We might be able to throw a chatterbait or a square bill up shallow. Maybe there's a few of them, you know, trying to find a warm spot or something like that. But there's a lot of things, you know, it's it's not the easiest time of the year to get back out there, but you gotta do it. I mean, it's just, it's just what we do. So, you know, like what do you do when the season's about to ramp up again? Um, you know, you're getting ready to go to tournaments, you gotta start getting back on the water. I know Oklahoma, I'm pretty sure you got, I think I talked to one of your friends, the uh the worst angler there. Yeah. Uh he uh you know I think he fishes year round, he says, but you know, it's still it's 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 not a southern state like you know down in florida or anything like that so you know what's it like getting back into it not not
1: even close and it's funny you say that because oklahoma is um it's really hard to explain oklahoma if you've never been there it's a really great beautiful state outdoors but our weather is so off the charts like one minute it might be 70 degrees the next day we might have a blizzard coming through or a tornado or so we just don't have a lot of um stable weather here (laughs) <laughs> you know and so it, it makes it it presents it um an interesting challenge when it comes to fishing i think i think it could re- ultimately make you a better angler of angler if you're you know willing to withstand some of those elements that go out there be honest with you this is probably one of the first years i've actually winter what i would call winter fish um you know alex oklahoma's worst angler who you were just talking about um he and i went out because he does fish year round so i wanted to push myself this year and try a little bit because i'll be honest with you in the winter time i hunt I mean, I, I'm outdoors deer hunting, uh, that takes up a lot of my time in the winter. So I don't do a ton of, um, bass fishing just because it's cold to me, the, uh, you know, reward doesn't outweigh the risk. You know, if I fall into the water, then I got to deal with hypothermia and other stuff like that. So I get it, you know, in the South, we're probably, you know, we're, we're sissies when it comes to the cold weather. I, I enjoy the cold weather. I just don't. I have to weigh the risks because, you know, just like you, I'm a father too. So I have to consider what's practical and what's not practical. Whereas if I was younger, you know, I'd probably be all for it. You know, I'd probably be out there in, in shorts or something crazy. But I don't know. This has been an interesting year for me to get back into. So last year was my first year back to tournament fishing after about a year and a half, two year break of fishing. Um, and I had some pretty good momentum, I felt like, going into the year. Um, so I fished two tournaments last year. Or I fished three total, but I fished two Um, The first one was the uh, Bassmasters, uh, the new kayak series with B A S S, and that one was at Logan Martin. Um, I didn't do terrible given the weather and stuff like that. My downfall probably there was I didn't stick to my plan. I kind of went to a different place. I knew what I needed to do. I didn't do it. I managed to catch some fish. I probably fish finished in like you know the 50th percentile or something, like middle of the road, nothing great. Um, I went to Lake Fork for the first time that following. I think that was in February and then in March was was um Lake Fork and that's right around when COVID hit and everything kind of right. shut down. So it was kind of like the last in-person tournament before they just kind of shut everything down. Um and I ended up getting ninth there at that tournament um and qualifying for the uh, championship. So um you know I cashed a check there, top 10 finish. Um, and then the following month after that, in April, I did it online with KBF, won that for the state of Oklahoma. I pulled a stringer, I think, my biggest stringer I've ever pulled uh, was like 108 inches, I think. I caught a 10-pound bass um, in the month of April for Oklahoma, which is, which is a big bass for Oklahoma. I mean, we have some pretty big bass, but you just, you know, it's not as common as like Texas or someplace like that that just has those giant fisheries. Um, and so the momentum was really good. And I thought, okay, well, going to the next ones to be good. But then we had all that layoff. And so I didn't fish another tournament until uh, two weeks ago. I fished Broken Bow for a Hobie BOS, which is my first time fishing a Hobie BOS. Great scenario. I mean, it's a great venue, great tournament. Um, I've never fished a two day tournament before. And actually, um, I would say getting prepared for the tournament season. It's always hit or miss, right? It's like you you want to you want to knock off the rust, but if you especially if you haven't tournament fish for almost a year at this point, uh, it's really it's not so much nerves anymore because when I'm out there fishing on tournament, I'm not competing against anybody but myself. Right. Um, I go out to the, do the tournaments to see what I can push myself to do, what I can accomplish, um, what things I've learned over the year and can apply here, and have helped me uh, become a better angler. I know there's that whole competitive side, but you know, I'm always going to be competitive. But I just don't have that drive like I did back in high school and things like that to be like, you know, I, for me, it's a different type of drive. It's to be the best angler that I know that I can be and to push myself in that direction to get there. Um, and so to get prepared for just it's difficult. I think I think some of the things people think is like, man, I got to buy all this new tackle. And I'm guilty of that. And I spent a lot of years doing that. In fact, um, that's kind of one of the goals that I've set for myself, too. Is I'm just not going to buy any more tackle. Um, because I have so much that I don't use right now that I bought for, over the years that I literally, it's like every time I go on to make a tackle warehouse order, you know, I go looking around in my, in my box of tackle and realize I already had those baits that I ordered. So I just spent more money on stuff that, yeah, you know, I really didn't need to, need to do. So that's been one of my more focuses is, is focusing on the baits that I do have. And then once those get low and I, and I get to that point, then I can look at that in the future. But I, I, I think for me, it's like setting one, it's a mindset you got to get if you if you travel like I do for I fish more national tournaments than I do local level. Um, my first year of kayak fishing, I fished um, local level. I actually spent my first year of kayak fishing in Arkansas. I have a brother that, that um, lives there. And so I just would fish with him that first year. And that really helped me learn like clear lakes and things like that a lot. But um, I just, you know, besides the mindset of like tackle and like that, I, I think it's important to realize, am I going to travel I'm local. If you're new to it, I would recommend you know starting out local, getting to know your local chapter. Those guys can meet a lot of great people doing that. A lot of good, good things you can learn from the local people. I mean, there's a lot of great anglers that fish locally that just don't have any um, desire to fish outside of that. And then are some sticks are just you know great anglers. Um, and then you know getting prepared obviously for the travel, but also um, game plans. Right, you've got to come up depending on the fishery, like what the game plans are, and so. It's really, you know, knowledge about the sport, knowledge about the um, area that you're going to be fishing, knowledge about the different types of lakes you're going to be fishing because um, you could have two lakes that are stained, but one of, if one's grassy and one's rocky, those are going to fish different no matter if the water color is the same or not. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I think the biggest thing just to get prepared for that is really just, um, just preparation like weeks and months in advance like preparing myself mentally to get back to that stage because i think it's very easy to to fall out especially if you haven't done it for a year most of the time in a normal tournament season you're not going to have a year before your next tournament but adding the pandemic that we had and everything getting shut down and stuff that kind of added a whole another feature so um you know i think everybody's workflow and that's going to be different on how they prepare i know for me personally these last two tournaments have been the Two worst performances I feel like I've ever had fishing tournaments, and I don't think it's because I become like worse at fishing. I just think that um, it, it, it's just different trying to get back into it from from not doing it so long. It's almost like I don't want to say starting over, but it's like that time when I took right. like a year and a half off, and then I'm now I'm taking a year off here to come back and do it. Never stopped fishing, but tournament fishing uh, is different because maybe the spots that you would fish on your home lake or other places are not pressured where they're going to have 200 kayaks or 200 kayaks and a big bass boat tournament. So you're looking at 300 boats on the water that you've got to compete with and narrow it down to try to pick a place to do that. So just a completely different um, environment. Um, I know a lot of people, you might be really good at fishing things, but, you know, you go to a, do a tournament and, Maybe that spot you pre and picked somebody else did, and you never saw them there, and they beat you to it. Or maybe the fish were there uh, during pre-fishing and get there during game day, and they're not, and so you have to try to figure out a backup plan.
0: Well, one th- of one the things I had to do, because, um, you know, last year, you know, obviously, I think, you know, COVID helped me out a lot, you know, as far as, um, like, cause one of the things that I don't get a chance, you know, if, if I start the season, like, like turn it, you know, fishing, like, down south and stuff, I don't start fishing again until I get on one of those lakes. Um, you know, and like last year, I started. You know, I did my first tournament down at uh, uh geez, South Carolina, um, Santa Cooper. Uh, you know, I've never been there before. And, you know, what I, and, and it showed that the first day I got there. You know, I got to that early morning because you know, had to drive through the, the, the night. And I get there early morning. Had no idea what to expect. I tried to wear shorts and flip flops because I thought, you know, it was gonna be spring break down there, and <laughs> end up, you know, being extremely cold down there. And yeah. uh, you know, you know, and I spent, you know, all this money, all this time. You know, took off from work, you know, which is in some ways taken away from my family if it's not done properly. And it's just, you know, I got down there, and it's just like, and you know, I just wasted a lot of resources to get down here and to do something that I wasn't prepared for. Um, and so it, it changed the way I kind of looked at. Um, like how I approach the tournament. Do I want to do them? Absolutely. Do I want to do the national ones? Yeah, you bet. But you know, I also want to do them with like a sense of like, okay, I'm doing everything right to put myself in success. I'm not just going to, down here to fish a, uh, you know, a national tournament just to say I fish a national tournament and to, you know, have have a, a, a you know a YouTube picture or a, an Instagram picture with you know with someone or what something like that. So it's like, this year I was like very hesitant. I'm like, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait a little bit. Uh, you know, like the the, the the Hobie's coming up here to New York. There's a few tournaments around here. It's like. You know, if I start jumping into these things, you know, like, you know, for one, like, kind of realize, like, what kind of, like, how good I was at Angler, like, where I need improvements, and like, and, and trying to, like, weigh all that stuff with, like, just doing it just because I wanted to, you know, do a tournament. Like, I mean, I thought that I'm like you. Like, when I look at it, it's like, you know, competitive wise, I'm not saying, like, like me and you are competing. I mean, we are technically, but you have nothing to do with what I'm going like, to There's nothing you can do to stop me from winning. Like, you're not out there. We're not playing battleship. You're not, you know, th- you're lob- lobbying it, you know, missiles, or whatever, to, you know, to, to, to ruin my day or anything like that. So it's not that kind of competition, but at the same time, I, I do want to go down there and, and try to make up for what, you know, I'm taking from home as far as like the financial part of it, the, uh, you know, the, the risk taking that you're doing, the gambling that you're doing when you go down there, like, you know, I want, I want to make it as uh, less luck as I possibly can, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah. And like I said, the reason I fish national turns, like I said, I, I'm not by any means like, I don't consider myself like one of the best in kayak angling or anything like that. Um, I think anybody can have a good tournament, um, but like you and I, like you just pointed out, a good point is like it's not we're not in, in a competitive sport in the sense. Like, hey, we're lining up with the starting line at the same time. We're going to sprint to the spot first one there wins. Or um, I see that you you did so we're not tumbling and you know the first person to tap or or whatever do those things like that. It's not it's not in that sense. And it's almost it it, it it's in competition and yes, you're fishing against other people, but it's almost more of like a, a, a mental. Uh, right. uh sport in my mind just because uh, i mean there's a lot of physical side to it i'm not saying it's not trust me like the pedaling the kayak and that's but mentally it, it, it like you said it, there's a lot of things that go on mentally there as well it's like what do i need to prove to myself how do i get from point a to point b um you know what did i learn from this tournament but also balancing that with family life right because you like said i did those two tournaments i did the worst that i've, I've ever done um it was a humbling experience. You know, I didn't go there thinking I was going to win it anyways, um, but I had gone there with expectations that I would hopefully at least, you know, catch a limit or or do something, um, you know, con- continue with that. In fact, these are probably the first two tournaments in quite a while that I didn't catch a limit on. In fact, the first one was in Broken Bow, which is in Oklahoma, that, a tournament that I've fished. I fished that like, I don't know, four or five times over the years and so felt pretty confident in it. I finished uh t- you know in the top 30 and tournaments there were about 150 people there several times um and it's just one of am things. is i was in the right spot just the wrong execution you know right. uh same thing with fork you know i got uh top 10 great got to the same spot i went to last year no kayaks great but the fish just weren't there so i had to come up with a plan b i had a good plan b but there was more kayaks there so same thing there i figured out the pattern i had the pattern down that the guy wanted on uh, I'm not going to talk about the pattern because it's not my mind to talk about. Um, but um, I had the pattern. I had the right area. I just, again, execution and just finding the fish. You know, I just wasn't able to do it. Um, I did get one there that was 20 inches, but that was pretty much it as far as my, my experience went there. So, yeah, same thing. I don't like traveling a long ways to to come up empty-handed. Um,
0: right. I mean, I don't mind losing, but it's just like I, I want to feel like I was like, – you know what I mean? Like when I got there – like you know, I just had I had a new fish finder, you know I had a new graph, uh, you know I had a new rod, you know, and, I, and here I am like I'm, I'm I'm I get out I'm like only ten minutes into it the wind's blowing hard they got all these cypress tree everywhere every single one of my reels or you know my, my rods got stuck in one of them and, and I'm you know just 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 was not ready to be on the water for that you know I mean there was no like warming up for the show she's like okay you got two days to go pre fish and then you got tournament day but it, you know but I was just trying to learn how to fish or not fish again but you know, learning like how to set up my kayak, how to, uh, you know, set up my graph and all these things that you, you know, that when I'm at home, it doesn't matter. I'm at home. You know, I go out there one day, all right, that sucks. And then, so the next time I go out there, you know, I make corrections and then, but there's nothing on the line. And so I was, I guess I was kind of getting, it, it was like, you know, that's one thing that sucks about being in the Northeast is like, that's it. Like it's February. You know, I went down there to Sandy Cooper. It was, you know, 45, 60, you know, 50 degrees. The water was, was water. It was, you know, liquid water. Then the day that I got back to New York, everything was still frozen again. I didn't fish again for another right. month. You know, so it's just like those things that I think about, it's like, you know, take your time. You know, like things start getting better here around April. I'm going out tomorrow to go fishing. Uh, you know, like get, get those cobwebs out. And like, like if you're gonna if you're gonna do this tournament, do it right. Don't just go out there and uh, you know like well, whatever there's there's people who have different I guess goals. They have different financial situations. They got different priorities. Uh, you know, where mine was that is, this just like no, nah, like like com- coming back from that trip, and I had a few other trips that like that, like it, like it just sucked. It's like you didn't even give your chance, you know, the opportunity to uh, to really see what you're worth because you're too busy just, just trying to remember how to do things. You know, so, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like you just if I'm gonna come back home, you know, w- you know with with, a, with an L. It's like. I want to say well? At least I was competitive, or at least I had an idea, and I knew what I was fighting for, and I just couldn't get it to work. Instead of going down, you know, coming back and be like, I had no idea what the hell I was doing down there, and now I got this twelve-hour or sixteen-hour drive back home. I got to stop and fill my gas up three or four times, you know, and things like that. It's Just those are the kind of things that kind of they kind of dictate like what do I want to do when it comes to tournament season. Now, I mean, I'm sure i sure a lot of people have the same those same kind of feelings.
1: Yeah, and I think honestly, the uh, a lot of local chapters, anyways, are getting. Um, more and more competitive and and bigger and bigger, um, as the sport grows. So, you know, a lot of local chapters say like four years ago, if you're fishing with like 20 people, 30 people, maybe less, maybe a little bit more depending where you're at. And now that's double or tripled over the years because now everybody's getting into it. I mean, I I really think that there's a good case for for local tournaments to be just as competitive as like national level
0: tournaments. We're doing in the the Northeast. We got the uh, elite kayak fishing that, uh, I don't know if you know, uh, Jason Gardner from Maine, You know, again, Ken Woods and some of those guys, they put together. And I'm I'm pretty excited about that because that kind of helped me with how I'm going to do my season because I don't feel like I have to go all the way to Florida right now or all the way to Texas right now. I got a really competitive tournament, you know, that's going to have some pretty high prizes to it. You know, all things considering and things, you know, and it's going to be closer to home. Like these are going to be, you know, I think my first tournament with them was like, Eight hours. So I know I feel like a lot of times we look at people because this sport's so fun and the people in it are so cool. And like one of the best parts about tournament fishing, you know, and kayak fishing is, is going down to these places and seeing everyone. Uh, so it's, it's hard to say, it's it's hard not to go. Like, when, like right now, when I see everyone down south, you know, fishing these tournaments, I'm like, I, I don't even know if I want to fish. I kind of just want to go down there and hang out at least, you know, or something like that, you know. So it's like, I, I feel bad. Like I, I want to be there. You know, I got this podcast, I, I talk to all these people all the time. It's just like, you don't want to be down there, but at the same time, I got to think about those other things. And so it's nice to, to have what we're doing now. And I, I think a lot of other regions are starting to do it too. I know, I know Arkansas has got a really good uh, thing that they're doing there. And with uh, what's his name? I think the great American bash that you know, I, I got to do a little more research on that, but that's yes,
1: they've got that. Then, you know, Jeff, Malott, um, He's a uh, he's on uh, the old town fishing team with me, and I met Jeff many years ago when I started fishing in Arkansas. He's been around for the scene for a while, and he's always been a great angler and, and a stick when it comes to competition. But uh, NSKA is pretty big over there. They've got the KBA, um, they've got a couple different chapters that are running um, some good programs down there.
0: Yeah, so yeah, that's kind of like my little thing, I guess. Like, yeah, you know, but we're talking about like what you think and what you're doing, but uh, you know, like. How do you balance it out? Because I know you got three kids, I know you got a job and stuff, and so how do you decide what you want to do with the season? Like, and how do you set your goals up? Because you know some people are able to, um, and this is nothing against them. But they just they have that, that 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 way of life where they can go there and chase, and and you see them every weekend. They're at a new tournament, whether it be a Hobie event, a bass event, or a you know a KBF event. They're they're there. Uh, but I, you know, I don't even want to talk about them because it's like we're we're on, we're, on, we're like we're living two different lives, you know what I mean? And I, if they were in my shoes, they would know what it's like. And if I was in their shoes, I would know what it's like. So it's not one of those things that is even worth comparing. But someone like you, someone you know, even someone like Jeff, I talked to Jeff Mount a few times about it. It's like this is this is our life. So like, but we want to do it. So we got to make you know my my whole thing this year was make realistic goals and don't put too much pressure on yourself to feel the need to do what he to do everything like, like pick, uh, pick pick and choose what you want to do and then who knows maybe one day you can do all those things that you want to do because your cash in first place check's every time or something like that, but how, you know, how do you balance it
1: out? Yeah. So, um, and you know, like you, um, I was in the military too. And so one big thing for me was the one, probably the one downside I could say about the military, um, I had a great experience with it. But the one thing I really didn't like was being away from friends and family for long extended periods of time, no communication, doing those things. So, um, for me, uh, you know, I wanted to have a family and I knew the military, Wasn't going to be the way to do that just for the fact of me being gone all the time and not being able to have that time to spend with kids. If I were to have them at the time, I have them now, but that was my thought process then. But um, even for me, I try to pick out maybe like one tournament a month, maybe two if I can swing it and, and, you know, talk to my wife and let her know, hey, these are the ones I'm kind of planning to do. Uh, Fortunately, uh, she works for a family business that they own, so she has the ability to kind of schedule those days off on those so she could be home if I have those tournaments. But, like, for instance, I fished Broken Bow in Oklahoma, and then I turned around the next week and fished Lake Fork. Um, I typically don't like to do that. I had a buddy that came down from Maine um, who wanted to do both of those, so I I did those with him. But typically, I I really only had plans to fish Lake Fork, even though um, I really enjoy Broken Bow, and it's in Oklahoma. Because Lake Fork is three and a half hours from where I live. Broken Bow is, like, two and a half hours. So there wasn't much difference between the two. But I was like, okay, well, um, and one was a two-day tournament. I never fished the two-day tournaments and I was a little on edge about that just because I didn't want to be gone that long because you talk about the pre-fishing time, and then I've got two tournament days, and then I have to drive back a second tournament day, and you know, it ends later in the day, and so I'm getting home later in the evening. I've got to unload everything and try to spend time with the family. So I'm um, actually the two-day tournament I left after the first day just because I didn't do well and I wasn't in the money. There wasn't anything I could do to make up that deficit so i went back to, to stay with family but i try to space it out like i said one one maybe two a month um if that maybe one uh every couple of months or so i try to look at the like i try to look at what trail i want to fish and i try to i try to stick to one trail not because i have anything against all the other ones but there's so much going on and there's so many all over the place at one time that i could see how you could really get entangled and like being on the road all the time going different places and i try i try to find the one that's got Primarily the the closest ones driving distance from Oklahoma. Um, I try to stay within like ten hour drive time one way at, at the most. Uh, obviously, if it's closer like Fork or Broken Bow, that would be ideal. But that's what I try to do, just because I don't like being um, gone for long periods of time from the family. But also, if something were to come up and I had to get home quick for an emergency, I like to be relatively uh, close or something I can get back in a day or something like that.
0: Well, I'm kind of like, like that's that's kind of how I've done things too, because uh, I mean, like I've had Chad on the show and I like him. I felt really bad by why you know I, I'm not doing any KBF events this year. And I mean I don't have to, but it's still at the same time. It's just like I don't want to feel like I'm I'm picking one. Would know, forever really like I'm biased with thing. but the thing was, it's like it's, like one national tournament a month is pretty. It's, it's a lot of it's, it's a lot of traveling. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of resources that go into it, but I'm like you, it's like like I don't want to go back. On the road the next week. I don't want to, you know, like it's like uh, you know, June, July. There's a good time to so take my family out camping and things like that. Like, and I, I don't know, like uh, I did a few. You know, my first year of uh, when I really got into this. Like, if I could do it, if there was if there was a tournament, I was gonna drive to it. And uh, you know, and then it's after a while, it's like, man, you're like it's just the weekend that you should be home with your family. Like this is a, and I, and I talk to people a lot of times, like you know, depending on the tournament you do, that's a Disney trip. You know what I mean? Like when you think about the money that goes into it. And, and, and things like that. And all I can think about, well, you sit there and, and you drink beer and you, and you, slept in a tent and you, and you had a great time, but you know, if you come on that day two or day three, you're like, ah, I'm, I'm like 37 years old. maybe i am being a little selfish in my endeavors. You know what I mean? And like, you know, to do that, you know, more than once a month for, you know, for the whole, the whole season, which is, you know, what five, six, seven months, depending on when it starts for you. Like it got to me pretty bad one time too. Like I almost, almost like, I think it was like, I was at Lake George this past season. and then like. It was uh, when KVF started doing those two days, and I almost didn't fish the second day. Uh, if, I, if I wasn't at Lake George, I probably would have went home, but Lake George was only like three or four hours from my house, and so as soon as I got done fishing, I drove home, but still at the same time, it's just like, you start to feel a little guilty, or and then you start thinking, you know, like, well, th- th- is it really that important for me to be doing this that often? So, like, this year, I was kind of like you. I'm like, pick a trail. You'll pick it for the right reasons, you know, look at where, where they're at, and, and think about what you could do with these events, and if, if they're kind of closer to the way you fish, and that's. That's kind of how I made up my season this year.
1: Yeah, my very first season I fished, I, I made that mistake. You know, I had a new new baby at home. I was traveling to Arkansas like every – I don't even know how often those were. I mean, But one trip, you know, I would get up at like th- 2 or 3 in the morning after working till like 11 o'clock at night. I'd get up at like 2 or 3. I'd drive to Arkansas. I'd fish all day. I'd drive back. It'd be like five hours one way. You know, so I'm pretty much gone, you know, from that the night before through that whole day. Then I've got to sleep, get up and do those types of things. And so I just felt like I uh, overdid it, um, not because I don't know, as far as fishing goes and outdoors, that's like kind of a passion of mine. So it's really easy to me for me to get like one in the habit of wanting to do it all the time. I don't want to say obsess over it, but it's really easy to get caught up in just doing it all the time and not thinking about other things. but. Um, I I really think I overdid it, and so that was a lot of um, not just a learning experience as far as fishing goes, but, like, time management is a big thing. And so uh, it's one of those things you probably don't really think about. Most people don't in a day-to-day, like time management and how important that is. Um, But once you have a family, obviously the priorities change, and I kind of made that mistake my first year and decided I didn't want to do that anymore. Um, And so even after the first year, I actually kind of quit just tournament fishing, you know, I'm just like, well, I can fish locally and I'll make YouTube videos and, and do that. And then, you know, at that time I was working, I was a father, I had two jobs and I was trying to shoot content all the time for YouTube. So it's like, again, I got caught in the habit of fishing, even though it wasn't traveling all the time, it was okay. If I'm not out fishing, filming locally, then I'm at home on the computer editing, doing that stuff and still, you know, trying to make time for family. I just wasn't doing a good job at it.
0: Yeah, and it's tough because I mean it's, I mean it's like you said, like it's like the time management. You don't really, you really don't think about how much time. You, guess, a lot of times you don't. I guess you don't think like, you don't think about how important a weekend is, right? Like you, know, you don't. Like I'm just gonna go fishing this weekend. I'm just gonna go fishing, and then you end up fishing Saturday and Sunday. But you don't realize that like okay, well now you gotta go back to work, four or five days. You know for the next four or five days, and you got to. And those are eight eight to twelve hour days depending on your shift. Plus your wife works an eight hour shift, and then it's like, Jesus Christ, did I see my wife this week? You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like. And that's yeah. like that's, that's been a big thing that I've had to deal with over the last year because my wife works shift work and I work shift work and I love fishing but at some point it's like, like you're being an asshole because you know like that's you know the, the fishing it's not I'm not going to do it forever uh, you know what I mean it's not it's not going to really give me the the kind of you know the things that I get out of my wife and my children and things like that so a lot of times I've had to like like like, like you need to really be like, careful with the time because you only have so much of it and you can only put so much here, so much there, because you know you still got to sleep and do all those other weird things that you got to do. So I know I'm like you, like the time management part has been like the hardest curve, but it's been the most important one that I've had to like. You have to deal with it or not. Like these things that we that we love in life and we join life, they won't, they won't be there if, if if you're not careful.
1: Right, and just like you, I, you know, I saw your little one. I've got little ones too. At some point in life, um, it's going to be about spending time with them to teach them. Right. You know, fishing and hunting or the things that you want to pass down and pass on to them doesn't mean that you're not doing that now. But obviously, you know, that's one that's one more thing that's taken away that time to kind of pass on those things and and life skills and life lessons to the children. And so that's something that's in the back of mind too. my mind, too. is like, you know, eventually I probably am not going to be able to tournament fish forever. Um, It's not something I do for a living, unfortunately. Um, But I've got little ones that are growing up. And like you said, it, it happens quick it happens super quick. Um, and I don't want to miss out on that. And I don't want them to miss out on that and feel like that I've put them aside to, to fish. Um, because as much as I enjoy fishing as that it's like, my my primary focus is being a good father to my kids. So, you know, if it's something that's going to take away from that, then I have to to reevaluate that. So I think that's why time management is very important is being able to juggle those things. So you're not necessarily having to give up, one thing for another, but you're able to kind of compromise so that you're doing, uh, you know, For me, it's family first and then fishing, fishing second. And yeah. so that you're able, there's a, there's, there's a good medium there. And if you can find that, I think is good, you know, but what, what that looks like for me might look different for you or somebody else who's right. got a family. Exactly. So I'm not saying, you know. Hey, all you people that have families. And if you go out and fish all the time and you guys can do that, I'm not saying anybody's like wrong right. for that. You know, it's just, uh, it's going to be a different
0: scenario for everybody
1: yeah. based on their, their situation.
0: People got, people got to live with their own choices. So I mean, it's, you know, it's, but to me, it's always been like, you don't want to play. Ke- like I don't mind playing catch up and fishing. You know what I mean? Like, like, obviously I got years and years. I got to learn to get as good as some of these other people are, but I never want to play catch up to my family. You know what I mean? Like try to get back those things and, like you said, as the kids get older and they start playing sports, well, well who's, whose time is more important at this point? Like Their time as they're developing and, and, and playing sports and, and doing these things and going to dance, whatever they're doing. It's like, well, who, whose time is more important now? So I don't, don't want to be too much, but I'm like you. It's just like those are some of the things that you got to think about. But it doesn't mean you can't – I don't think that you can't do this. You just – just like you said, we got to prioritize our time and, you know, and be strategic with how we want to do it if, you want, if it's something that you want to do. But I don't know. It's, yeah, uh, that's
1: different for everybody. Not everybody's got three kids. Some people may have one kid and they're, you know, stay at home mom or something or, or whatever their scenario. I mean, it's it's different for everybody. I'm, I I can only speak for me, and, and that's where my priorities and, and, and things are as far as that go. I mean, I, I like you, I, I don't work shift work, but at the time when I started, I, would work, I worked um, one way. It was an hour and a half drive to work at that time. And so, you know, I'd spend, you know, I'd have to leave a little bit early before the sun comes up and I'm getting home after the sun comes down on top of that. Then I go fishing on weekends, YouTube and stuff like that. So it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't practical or feasible. So I had to kind of really take a step back and focus on the family and reevaluate how I could manage my time better to still be, um, a good father and be able to kind of have those hobbies and, and things like that. But, um, you know, it's it's not an easy thing to do, <laughs> and it takes time. And no matter, I can tell you, no matter how much you think you're good at uh, managing time, uh, you will always run into something along the road that you're just like. You know, there's just sometimes, even though you think you're good at time management. The, there's stuff that comes up that you didn't consider in that equation your time management right. and uh, fortunately for, for me now um, since the pandemic came I work from home now so I don't have to really worry about travel as far as to an office or anything anymore and that that became a permanent change so I've actually got to spend a lot of time a lot more time with my kids doing that during the week so I can pick my daughter up from school drop her off at school I can spend time with my son and, and those types of things so well
0: cool man I know like we We gotta wrap this thing up. We both got families that we gotta go back to after this. And so, uh, one thing—I just got my first old town kayak. It's—I got the big water. Excited to try it out tonight or tomorrow. So, tell me how you got in the old town, why you love old town, and then I'll let you think what you want to think, and then we'll get out of this thing. All right?
1: Okay, cool. Um, So it's—it's funny because I—I—you know—I follow you on Instagram. I I saw that, and so you just saw that post. And um, it's funny because you had that picture because um, I figured you already knew, but. the, seriously though, I, I did have somebody in a couple of weeks ago that was out on the water, pedaling their kayak with the drive setting like that, um, and that just kind of happens sometimes. You know, people just buy it and they don't necessarily see like a, a floor model or something like that, or it doesn't really dawn onto them. So I just want to make sure people are doing that. But um, so when I started kayak fishing, I started out with a, a native Propel Slayer 13. I later went to like a couple Hobie, Hobie. PA 14s, and then I had a Predator PDL up until, I think, April of last year. Um, then I switched over to the Old Town Sportsman 120 PDL. I have a 106 uh, powered by Minn Kota also, which is a pretty fun kayak, but not all tournaments allow the motor stuff yet, so... I've stuck with the PDL because then I don't have to switch stuff back and forth to do that. But I saw that your big water, the big water, is uh, a rebrand of the uh, sportsman. I mean, of the uh, Predator PDL. So it's uh, the newer version. It's the 2020. It's now called the Big Water. Great boat. I actually enjoyed my uh, Predator PDL when I had it. The thing was is that I travel a lot solo, and it's a uh, it's a kind of a heavy boat um so it got kind of burdensome i've already got a bad back for the military so just like loading and lifting that thing all the time just became you know there'd be days i'd fish i'd load it up and then i might be down for a day to do just because my back was just you know killing me from the pain and stuff like that so as far as um bigger waters and stability i just don't think there's anything on the market that can beat it for the price um i downsized to the 120 which is uh so the numbers represent how long the kayaks are so uh, the big water is 13 feet, um, and then the – or it's uh, – sorry, it, it's – is it 136? 13 point – yeah, yeah. The yeah, one,
0: yeah, yeah so the, it's thir- yeah. 13
1: and a half feet, and then the uh, sportsman 120 is 12 feet, and then the 106 is 10 foot 6 inches or 10 and a half feet. So I dropped down about a foot and a half. Um, you lose a little bit of storage space and I would say a little bit of the stability that you get with the the wider, heavier kayak. But ultimately for me, it's been a great switch. It's lighter. Um, I don't feel like I've lost a ton of speed, uh, which I'm not out there racing anyways on, on the kayak. I need something that's going to, you know, I feel safe in and stable in and it's going to allow me to stand up, fish, do those types of things. So um, I settled on the, uh, before I was on the uh, Old Town team, I actually had the, had an Old Town kayak. And um, I ended up settling on that one because at the time when I had first bought my native kayak, I didn't really uh, like it at the time just because it was new. Not because it was new, but at the time you had to buy all the accessories for it. So you spent all this money on the kayak. You had to buy a hatch. They didn't come with a hatch at the time. You had to buy the rudder upgrade, which I think a lot of people still have to buy that nowadays on them. Um, it just really wasn't I didn't like the design of the rudder on that. It's it's mounted It's connected to the bottom of the kayak and it goes left and right and you can't raise it out of the water So, you know, it's just some things I didn't didn't really enjoy that. Um, I enjoyed the Hobies. They were um, very uh, I liked the storage at the time though. They didn't have reverse they hadn't made the 360 right. or the 180s to do that So I really wanted something reverse Plus, Those are really heavy. I had a trailer I didn't really like having a trailer. That's just when I bought them. They came with a trailer. Um, I bought them off of a guy. And um, for me, kayaking is really about just being able to kind of throw it in the back of the truck, go down and do that. If I, if I got a trailer, then at that point, I might as well just in my mind, I might as well just go with a boat because they're pulling trailer anyways. But so I ended up settling on the old town because it was lighter than the Hobie. It had reverse, had more storage options than I had. They had storage under the seat. They had storage on the back of the seat. They had the side things. They had the, in the front the back i mean it was a perfect kayak it was stable you could stand up on it you could do everything that i needed for um for fishing and so to me there's just really nothing that, that beats that on top of that they just have really great customer service um i think that's one thing that people kind of overlook when you're buying a kayak is is the ability to get a hold of somebody if you ever need to get a hold of them to to rectify something or to to help with an issue Um, now some people are going to go through their whole fishing career and never have a single issue where they have to reach out to a company. Some people might be unfortunate that they've got to reach out, you know, on a new kayak or one that they've had for a little while. And I think it's really, really reflective of a company on the the relationships that they build with their customers, but also the ability to, uh, communicate with them. And I feel like old town, um, you know, aside from me being on the team, even before, for that piece was really great about that. I mean, you could get a hold of them on social media, you know, you could email them. You could call them up on the phone i mean there's never any lag time in like uh, their response and to you or their ability to kind of help solve the situation um and even if it was something that maybe um was your fault and not so much like a fault of the kayak or something like that you know they were still pretty willing to to work with you on those things because they ultimately their goal was to have a satisfied customer um and somebody that's a part of what i call the old town family um, because to me it feels more like a family because pretty much anybody that you meet that owns one that's got that they're going to be open to you they're going to be responsive anything they can do to help you uh, I think even when yours when you got when I commented on there you know welcome to the family yeah, yeah. Um,
0: yeah it was it was Jeff to help put me in. it was a lot of people like the reason I got into the old town was like when I was looking for because I wasn't happy with who I had before it wasn't like nothing serious but like it's like those little things that you like okay storage space and things like that and I was like plus I wanted something bigger because I flipped mine last year in these big waters up here. And then it's just like, but it was like, you know, it's guys like Jeff and Casey. And then, you know, the whole bunch of people it's like everyone I talked to, they, they love these kayaks and they love the company. And then I was able to talk to something. It's just like, all right, I, I like, I like the vibes here.
1: It's funny. It's funny. You say that you flip that because uh, here's a fun fact. Um, and I've talked about this on one of my uh, episodes on actually. So I made a video on YouTube called the best pedal kayak for fishing. and. Um, it's not a plug for old town or anything like that. I, you know, I'm straight up, I tell the, the audience, Hey, I'm pro staff with old town. That doesn't mean that that's the right kayak for you. I give them the whole spill. I kind of go over some different brands and kayaks for that. But the, the funny part about that is, is every kayak that I've had with the exception of the Hobie because it's so big and I didn't have them very long and the uh, predator PDL I've flipped every kayak I've been in uh, <laughs> at least once. Whether it be on a river, whether it be in the middle of the lake, whatever. And um, you know, when I had my, when I had my native slayer propel, I fell out of that trying to net like a three-pound smallmouth one time. I just, I just leaned over too far, and it just tilted just enough that threw me right in the water. I lost my net, lost my pole, lost the fish, uh, lost everything. Um, so yeah, so that was a big thing for me is stability because I, I'm, I've had pretty good balance and you get better balance the more you use the kayak, the more you get comfortable with it and learn kind of where to sit and kind of not to, uh, overreact to like stuff like you kind of, you kind of know like, Hey, if the kayak tips this way, your body will kind of naturally kind of lean, uh, not with it over time. It'll, you know, naturally your reflexes will become to lean against it to kind of help keep that because i 106 is, is a lot smaller. Um, and I'd say it's probably just as as stable as the 120. It's a little less stable because it's not as big, but it's uh, the smaller kayaks. When you hit stuff, it it tends, it it can have a a different impact than like a bigger kayak if you hit it. So when I first got that kayak, I'd run it through and I've got a lake here that's kind of sets up like Lake Fork. It's got stumps and things like that. and And I didn't see it and I hit a stump and I mean, I just ran my kayak on the side of the stump and I was setting like this, just stuck on a stump, you know, and before I'd probably freak out and grab, but you know, just the experience over the years of doing it, I knew, Hey, I'm just going to lean on this, you know, lean towards where it's about to tilt. And then, you know, I was able to ease off of it without flipping in or losing anything or doing that. But um, ultimately I think old town has the best platform for mostly uh, what a bass angler needs. Um, I don't think any kayak on the market has everything that you need as a bass angler. I don't think, any kayak maker is ever going to have every feature, everything that you want. But I think um, with the features they do have uh, and the customer service that they have that makes up for any small feature that maybe you wish it had that it didn't. And now uh, most of the time there's enough DIY groups or videos online that you don't have something that you can kind of make that. Um, another big thing that's going on too is like 3D printing so like a lot of stuff can be 3d printed nowadays to kind of retrofit out kayaks and do those types of things so it's really evolved from back when it was even four or five years ago when i first got into it about the things that you can do and the features that kayaks have um and so i really think you're going to enjoy the big water um if you haven't got out on it i really do think you're going to feel a lot more um i don't want to say safe but you're going to feel a lot more stable especially the first time you go to stand up on that you're going to be like okay you know, I wouldn't recommend getting too crazy since it's still cold where you're at. You know, there's still that, you know, there's still a chance that, you know, yeah. it's, it's harder. I would say, and, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on the pro side. Honestly, I would say with Old Town, the way that their kayaks are built, you have a higher chance of you falling in the water before the kayak flips.
0: Okay.
1: I'm not saying the kayak can't flip, but the the stability and the amount of give that they have it's it takes a lot to flip them. It really does. Um, but the cool thing is, if you do flip it, the drive floats. So yeah. you know you're not you're not worried about fishing your drive out of the bottom. The drive will float. Um, the uh, storage compartment you know keeps air in it when it's closed, so it, it acts as a flotation device. Right. So um, one thing going out though that I would recommend if you haven't already is like getting some tethers, tethering stuff yeah. down. Uh, not because I think that you will, but that's also uh, something that's very overlooked that I overlooked a lot when I first started fishing was like tethering. Most people think, well, I just need the tethers in case I flip, but no, that's not it. It's like, if you're, you're going, like you talked about, if you, if he gets caught on a tree branch, a tree branch can pull your rod and reel right out of, right out of the rod holders. Um, especially down the South, we fish at a lot of trees and stuff that are overhanging. I mean, I broke, I broke, a a rod down at like fork, getting it hung up in a tree, um, on that, And so it's just stuff that you don't really think about or you've done it so much that you know that your stuff is going to gonna hit up against trees or brush. I mean, where kayaks go, we, we've we got to be prepared to get up in the trees and stuff because that's part of the advantage of being in a kayak. We can go places that you can't really go in a boat. And some of that requires, you know, tree limbs or, or whatever like that. So, um, you know, rod leashes and tethers are really good. Not so much for the fact of flipping, but just for the fact of like, like I said, stuff can get caught up. Wind can pick up sometimes and catch your pole the wrong way, depending how it is. There's just a lot of factors that people just don't consider um, or think about if they've never had them. Um, I can't tell you the amount of stuff I've lost in the middle of the lake fishing in Oklahoma just because the wind picks up from, you know, five miles per hour to like 45 just (laughs) out of nowhere. And then blowing, you know, I've lost a bunch of hog troughs before. Just from the wind picking them up and throwing them, and they don't float, and so it's just making stuff float. And like I said, you mentioned a good thing about that. Obviously, your life vest, you're going to have that, but you know, just making sure you have stuff down. It's yeah. really good that you're going to have that storage because the bungees on the back of that kayak are going to help you yeah, hold down. So
0: good. That's my favorite crate, part. Yeah, that's my favorite do. part so far. the bungee, like where the uh, the back where you can put the uh, the crate at, the way that bungee comes up, it's like they, yeah. my other kayak didn't have that and. The bungees that did have got crazy, like whatever, just it didn't, wasn't like that. And like it, that's already made me happy because it's just like I can lock down a good port. Because when, I, when my, my kayak flipped last year, my, I was only able to save what I could get under the boat and, and, and catch before it went to the bottom of the uh, the lake. And so, you know, it's, it's a big deal.
1: Yeah, I've lost a ton of tackle in those flipping. Fortunately, I'm not. Um, so this was like the first year. So there's a couple of things we talked about. And sorry, we'll just talk. It's fine. I got, you got some time if you've got it. Um, was uh fish finder. So this was the first year, like like you're saying, this is the first year that I've I've used a fish finder. I've done all my bass fishing without a fish finder. Um, When I had those Hobies for a short period of time, they had depth finders on them. I didn't really know how to use them, but I found myself spending more time trying to learn how to use them than actually fishing at the time. So I cut those back out and just wanted to learn bass fishing to learn bass fishing, not just focus on electronics. Obviously, it's an important tool. I've used it some this year, more so for the water temp than actually trying to locate fish with it. Because in the South, a lot of fishing involves like beating the banks or shallow fishing. So the, the, the death finders aren't going to come in handy there anyways. Um, Like wintertime and like summertime, they really are when the fish go deeper, they can help out. But most of the time you're going to be able to catch fish in in shallow areas. so You're not going to need that, but the water temperature um, helps because then that kind of helps me focus on what um, baits to use or what style of fishing I need to do for, like you said, like if you go out and it's, let's say in the 40s when you get out there on the water here, then you are gonna know okay i'm gonna throw a jerk bait i may have to finesse fish with a drop shot uh, maybe drag a jig if i can find them around some structure that's real low but most of the time when it's that cold they're kind of not necessarily all the way on the mud but they're a little bit suspended off but they're they're yeah. deep so and they want it real slow and real methodical and so that's very difficult fishing i'm still learning on the winter side fishing too um, For that, But um, the thing I was also going to tell you is on your your big water, I think you'd be surprised is what's really cool about that. And that's one thing I can still kind of do it on the um, Sportsman 120, but I keep stuff in the front now. Like I keep like um, a first aid kit, like safety gear, you know, like uh, my bibs or rain jackets and stuff like that. I keep that tucked in the front because the weather changes. And that's that's one thing about fishing national that's different than fishing locally. It's like you never know what the weather is going to be um where you're going and you don't know how the weather is at most of these places because you have not been to a lot of those states you've not fished there a lot but um is storage inside the kayak you you can actually store your rods inside your kayak um the way that that's designed in the front hatch you can actually lay those down and push them all the way to the back and so then you have rod storage on the front of your kayak as well which is really good for uh like tournaments and stuff if you're traveling you don't have a lot of room like say left in your truck or something like that to be able to put those in the kayak it just creates another level of of um storage you know i think that's also important that goes along with the tournament thing is being able to uh really store stuff in a methodical way that you're maximizing the space on everything um and being organized when you're doing that
0: yeah i agree i agree 100 percent. all right well man i appreciate you coming on the show uh we covered a lot of cool stuff, man. Uh, I'm glad I got got here to talk to you. I know we've been trying to do this for like a few months, but just. Yeah, I'm
1: sorry about that. When you reached out, I really wanted to get to it. But it was just one of those times between like work and like everything going on. I had some personal stuff going on. So it was just, you know, it's just one of those things. Life gets up. But I'm glad that we were able to kind of like, I'm glad you hit me up today, actually, because I actually had some time to get this and show up on the show. And I'm glad I got to do that with you because I've been, been watching for a little while and wanting to do it. I just, you know. It's fine in time.
0: <laughs> I mean, well, uh, why don't you go ahead, go ahead now if you want to plug anything where people can follow you, if you want to thank anyone that makes fishing easier for you, but this is kind of like just your, your, your moment. Sure.
1: Um, first off, you know, I want to say thank you to uh, Old Town, uh, being part of their pro staff and being part of the family. They've been uh, a huge supporter of mine and, and helping make this possible. Um, I want to give a shout out to two of our, our team members that we lost, um, Kwanza Henderson and Ben Spangler. Uh, You know, they're no longer with us, but I'm confident where they're they're at now. They're just fishing great waters uh, and catching tons of great fish. Um, But if you guys want to follow me on social media, um, Oki12, 12 12. O-H-K-E-E-12. I primarily do YouTube, but I am on Instagram as well. Those are the two platforms I use the most. So if you guys want to tune in for that, please feel free to do that. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Pretty uh, easy to get a hold of and happy to answer any questions or anything like that.
0: Well, cool, man. Appreciate you coming on. Good luck with the rest of the season, and I'm sure we'll talk again in the near future.
1: All right. Thanks, buddy. Good luck.